Kevin Mondro here, Coach Dro, D-R-O. Welcome back to the Tell Me Your Story Coach podcast, the podcast where we advocate coaches and help young coaches learn from the coaches telling these stories. Instant classic. Coaches are still buzzing about episode four in Coach Phil Martelli. I have one question today for you, Coach. Are you taking the temperature of your players, your kids, and yourself today? I've been doing it all weekend long. It's the best parenting and self-help advice that I've received in years. If I have one regret on the podcast, I wish I did a better job researching Coach Martelli as a high school coach. Bad job, Joe. Get better. Yes, 24 sensational years at St. Joe's. Seven NCAs, six NITs. Coach Martelli was two points away from a Final Four. However, as you heard, His seven years at Bishop Kenrick High School really formed who Coach Martelli was as a head coach. I encourage high school coaches out there to keep learning, keep growing, and for sure keep believing. By the way, if you are in practice today, I guarantee you are not saying, let's do it one more time. Today, we are talking to Rob Senderoff. Rob is currently the head coach at Kent State University. Rob just completed his 10th season as the head coach at Kent. Rob is the winningest coach in the history of Kent State basketball. The Kent State culture is winning. How Coach Sandy describes how they win is truly remarkable. Rob is an open book. Young coaches take endless notes. On a personal note, Rob is a great friend. We are similar in age. I've never had one personal jealousy toward Rob. When Rob wins, I win. We are all going to win today. Subscribe, rate, and review on whatever platform that you are currently listening to. We are everywhere, like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and many more. Follow Tell Me Your Story Coach at Instagram, at Tell Me Your Story Coach. Follow Tell Me Your Story Coach on Twitter, at Coach Kevin Dro. Connect with me at LinkedIn, Kevin Mondro. Email me at tellmeyourstorycoach at gmail.com. How can I help you grow as a coach? Maybe we can create a business partnership to help your business grow. All that I ask is you please keep on telling your coaching friends. Enough of Coach Dro. Let's get to Coach Rob Sendroff and tell his story. Real quick, before Coach Sendy's story, I need to tell you about a new affiliate partner that I am super excited to support. That friend, Desmond Ferguson the owner of Moneyball Sportswear. As soon as this podcast is over, wait, it's okay. You can go even now. Check out moneyballsportswear.com. This website is truly incredible. Let me tell you about the gear that Moneyball produces. Men's, women's, boys and girls, sports attire, hoodies, sweatshirts, t-shirts, shorts, you name it. Moneyball has it. High quality and affordable. If you are a high school and or AAU coach, and you need a new set of uniforms, please reach out to Moneyball ASAP. The uniforms that Desmond and his team create are simply spectacular. Go to MoneyballSportswear.com, shop away, enter that promo code DRO, D-R-O, in the coupon checkout. Grow with us, Moneyball, the only way to ball. Rob, why do you coach? It's a good question. There's days I wonder that myself. <laughs> uh, the the reason that I got into coaching was that I love basketball. Yeah. And then as you you move through the profession, 
um, you know, really liking to have, you know, an impact on, on young, you know, young guys, young, young men trying to have a positive impact on their lives is probably the reason I do it right now. Um, but, but to start when I, when I first, you know, decided this was what I wanted to do, it was really just because I loved basketball and, um, you know, playing wasn't, wasn't in my future. And I just wanted to be around the game and wanted to be part of a team. Yeah. You know, that, that, that was really what drove me to the profession. You know, it's so similar, you know, we have a mutual colleague, you know, I worked for Rob Murphy and for 10 years and obviously you and Murph worked together at Kent. And, uh, I think you guys are even roommates. Yep. And the one of, uh, one of the things that just blew me away about Murph is he just absolutely is in love with the game of basketball. And it's almost indescribable, just like how he could watch basketball. I mean, just just endlessly for for days. And I'm not surprised now why he's moving on to the NBA and the G League. And you know, he he'll be a GM of the NBA just one day, but just just simply because he loves the game. Like like when you really think about your love for basketball, just like like how would you describe it? Yeah, well, you know, I I, I start with you know currently what what I do mm-hmm. basketball the game of basketball has provided uh it's provided a living for, for yeah my family um myself so so i start there right like it's provided everything that i have uh is basketball so um you know i'm obviously i i'm like murph in a lot of ways um you know tonight when when we called i'm watching the nba game yeah um and just you know the, the game of basketball it's such a great you know it's a for so many it gives people opportunities in terms of college in terms of seeing the world um, but also I think there's so many lessons that you can learn from being part of a team yeah and that was one of the things I mentioned off the front off the start of, of our conversation just being part of a team because because in life you you know you can't everything alone you need to help you and play roles and uh be a part of a bigger picture and uh i just think there's so many life lessons that you can learn through basketball yeah um and obviously just enjoying watching the game and um whether it's a college game a high school game a professional game just watching people who go out there play with passion and and really love being a part of it. Yeah, five is one. It's beautiful when everything works and you can get all five together. You know, you'd mentioned the word impact, and I love that word. Who were some coaches that made an impact in your life? Yeah, there's a lot of them. Um, you know, I, I, I start with my high school coach. Uh, his name's Willie Worsley. Okay. And for, for those that saw... Uh, Glory Road, or watched, you know, or, or are familiar with UTEP yeah. basketball. He was the point guard uh, for UTEP, uh, and he played in the the. Um, he didn't play in the NBA. He played in the ABA in the uh, ABA, okay, uh, and was a three point shooting champion uh, for a couple of years. He played with Dr. J. He was he was the first person, you know, when I was in high school that sort of was yeah. around the game, and I thought started my love of basketball uh was him and then i've worked for some some guys that you know are really really close friends of mine and and guys that have had huge impacts on me um 
you know, James Jones, who's the coach at Yale. Yeah. Uh, when I was a student at Albany, he, he allowed me, he was uh, the JV coach then, and he allowed me to help with his team. Uh, and then I ended up working for him his first two ye- years at Yale. Uh, Jim Christian, who brought me here to Kent State. Yeah, for sure. Uh, that that obviously was a, a life-changing moment for me. Uh, you know, there have been a lot of people. Coach Sampson, who I, who I you know, view yeah. as, yeah. you know, one of the best, if not, not the best, team builder uh, I've ever been around. But but I, I, I watch a lot of guys and, you know, and, and really uh, appreciate, you know, just how hard it is to be good at this job. And I, I feel like, you know, there's so many really good coaches Yeah. Um, that, that there's a lot of people that, that have had an impact on me uh, in the profession for sure. Sure. Well, you know, we'll, we'll talk about just the impacts you've made, but let, let's, let's just talk about winning and what you're doing at Kent state. So you're, you're currently the head coach at Kent state university. You're the winningest coach in the history of Kent state. You're four wins away from 200. You're one win away from 100 Mac wins. You have a 60% winning percentage, six wins versus power five schools. You've been to an NCAA tourney, countless other postseason appearances. Okay. So right off the bat, why do you think you guys win at Kent state? <laughs> yeah, it's certainly not the coaching. It's, it's having good players yeah. um, and, and a good culture and a good culture. So that, that's, you know, and, and the culture started, um, you know, for me, when I got here, uh, the culture started with coach Christian, yeah. um, and, and the Kent state way, um, you know, had, and, and I know we're going to touch on this, you know, I have a lot of former players who right. have start, have worked here yeah. with me at Kent and, and have moved on and some are here with me right now, but I think the culture of how we do things here has been able to last. It's really difficult because culture is such a fragile thing. And, and, you know, not every single year do we have great culture in, in each group, but as a overall, you know, our program's culture has been one, uh, of winning. Uh, it started before me. And I've been fortunate enough to be able to sustain it because I think that's really, really difficult to do and, and sometimes undervalued in just how hard it is to win and to maintain winning. Uh, certainly in our league, the, yeah. the Mid-American Conference, which is such a balanced league. Um, but but really having good players, good coaches, um, and, and just that culture, you know, knowing that there's an expectation when you come here. Um, you know, one of the things in recruiting, and there, there's a lot of things I, I probably do poorly in recruiting, but one thing I don't do is I don't overpromise. Okay. I always talk about winning mm. and I talk about why you come to Kent as being part of this program. And it, and it is part of being in a winning program. A lot of opportunities have opened up for my players. For sure. You know, I think right now we've had 20 guys that have gone on, 21 guys that have gone on to play professionally after leaving playing here. So in the last 10 years. So we've been able to help guys reach their dreams and what they want to do. Uh, 
while also understanding that when you come here, there's an expectation of, of winning first and foremost. So to me, you know, it all comes down to, 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 to having good players, obviously. Right. Um, but, but within that, you know, sometimes you can have good players and, and not be successful as well. And I think the culture that we have here and the expectation level that we've created here has helped a great deal in, in, in our success. Hey, Coach Sendy, I need a quick 30, 30 second timeout. I hope that you are enjoying Coach Sendy. I know I am. Getting this podcast to you is all because of my friends at Buzzsprout. For years, I wanted a podcast with Coach Murphy at Eastern Michigan. I thought it really could help us with the branding of our program, possibly in recruiting. And selfishly, I wanted people to know what a great person and coach that Coach Murphy was. Hey, imagine if you started a podcast in your basketball office today. I think it'd be pretty cutting edge. Buzzsprout is hands down easiest, trust me, the easiest and best way to launch, promote, and track your podcast. Buzzsprout has already helped over 100,000 people launch their own podcast. Instantly, you'll be online and listed with all the major podcast directories, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and many more. You'll also get a really cool and great looking podcast website. They have audio players that you can drop into other websites. Their detail analytics, awesome. I'm checking them constantly. To start your own podcast, follow the link in my show notes. Hey, let Buzzsprout know that I sent you. You will get a $20 Amazon gift card if you sign up for a paid plan. And this helps support my show. Buzzsprout, the easiest way to start a podcast. What are a few examples of just like the Kent State culture? Yeah, you know, I think it, it, it's interesting. Like t- tomorrow, I'm going to show, I'm going to show these guys. I don't know if you saw this last night, but but you know, I saw it this morning on Twitter. Um, you know, last night uh, after the Suns game, right? Uh, they interviewed. Dang, I can't even remember his name. The point guard who who had a big game. Mm-hmm. Uh, who, who's from Murray State? Why can't I remember his name right now? But but they interviewed him on Stephen on on Scott Van Pelt's show last yeah. night, and he had a huge game. and And in his conversation with Scott Van Pelt in the background, Javon Carter was shooting an hour after the game, thirty minutes after the game had ended. Yeah, Javon Carter hadn't played, um, and had played twelve minutes total in the playoffs. And he's in the background shooting, getting a workout in after after a big win when they win at the buzzer. DeAndre Eight, you yeah, know, wins right. it at the buzzer. And game the interview's two. cool. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, game two. The interview's cool. But to me, the concept of seeing Javon Carter yeah. in the background, yeah, that's a, what what a pro is about. And that's also right. what being a great teammate is about. So yeah. we preach that constantly. Yeah. And the thing that I think we have here as an advantage is that a I have people on my staff that yeah. have lived it, played for you, and right. played for me, yeah. and have also been in those positions. You know, yeah. I I had a player, uh, you know, Jalen Avery, who as a freshman, you know, he DNP'd as many games as he played in. Yeah, uh, you know, I know I had the out. scout. He wasn't you had, probably wasn't on right. the report. <laughs> right, he probably wasn't on the report his freshman year. Well, 
Yeah. A lot of guys leave, yeah, you know, sure. or a lot of guys become disgruntled. Yeah. Well, Jalen Avery, after every game, win or lose, play or didn't play, his freshman year, very similar to Javon Carter. He rolled out the gun yeah. and shot 500 shots. Yeah. And he did that when we came back at two in the morning from uh, from a road trip, as you know, in this league. Yeah. You're going to come back sometimes really late on a Tuesday morning or a Wednesday morning it is. Yeah. And he would go and he'd unpack his stuff and he'd roll out the gun and he'd shoot 500 shots. And these were after games he didn't play. Well, he went on, you know, to lead us to the NCAA tournament as a sophomore, yeah. as a starting point guard. Junior and senior year, he led the nation in assists to turnover rate. So me having been here as long as I have, 10 years now, I can give these guys examples and my staff can tell them that it's true. A couple of the guys had been on my staff. Yeah. Um, anything I've told a player currently is something, and I'm not saying every word, but it's something these other guys have been through. And as we all know, you know, when, when you're playing, it's a long season. It's a difficult, you know, thing playing Division One college basketball and trying to play meaningful games and, uh, it's not easy and there's a lot of sacrifice and it's not always, you know, it's not always great for you as a, as a, as an individual person. I'm sure Javon Carter felt like he could, you know, have helped the Suns last night. Right. Uh -huh. But you know what, you got to play your role and you got to be the best at it and you got to be ready and you've got to work. And eventually, if you do those things and the guys that have done them here have experienced tremendous, tremendous success. So, you know, to me, that that's really what the Kent State way yeah. is about. I, I remember I remember it vividly because it was Murph's first year at, at Eastern Michigan. And, you know, he, he had a team that didn't have tremendous talent, but they, they had a, 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 a good season. Yeah. I think they won the Mac West. I think he was the coach of the year in the league. Yep. And we were at their place. Um, and it was late in the game and there was a 50, 50 ball, a loose ball. And Justin green, who was the player, the, the junior, uh, another kid who, who as a <laughs> freshman, he played seven minutes a game. He couldn't catch a ball. Wow, he was a great player. Mm. Yeah, wow. turned out to be a great conference player in the league, but he dove, and it was probably about 20 feet. He was in the lane, and he dove 10 feet, 12 feet outside the lane line to, to get a loose ball that, you know, he then called timeout. We say, I remember Murph going out on the court <laughs> and screaming at his guys because, you know, that's the difference was what he was saying. And, and we, have a, we have an edit that we show every year and we add to it each year with I call them highlight plays but they're not you know they're not tip dunks and they're not yeah. you know guys shooting you know game winners there are plays like that guys diving on the floor for loose ball our, our play of the year this year you know Gio Santiago my point guard yes you know there was a 50-50 play against Bowling Green another player that's evolved too <laughs> yeah evolved yeah play as a freshman same type of deal yeah. and uh he sprinted back and tipped it off the kid's leg we end up winning danny pippen scores a basket 
with, you know, eight seconds to go. We were up one. He scores a basket to put it up three. I'm sorry, we were up two. He scores a basket to put us up four to win the game with eight seconds to go on an underneath out-of-bounds play. But the real so, – so that gets the highlights. But the real play of the game was Geo sprinting back. A kid had a 12, you know, 12 – step lead on him and he sprints back and swipes at the ball and knocks it off his knee and saves a layup and wins the game so those type of plays and and they're valued everywhere believe me they're not just valued at Kent but we have years and years and years of showing the same guys and me having the experience my staff having the experience some of the members of my staff having those experiences Mm. That that you know, I think it's not it's not what separates us because that's not what it is, but it's what has allowed us to have success. Because again, I mentioned earlier, this league is so balanced, and there's so much turnover, whether it's players or coaches or you know, so much that having that level of consistency, you know, for us has been. That, that's been the difference for us. It really has. Yeah, well, I appreciate you sharing. It's so different than you just saying, like, you know, our culture is, like, hard work. <laughs> like, this is a tangible right, example right. that you just yeah. shared for yeah. the last and, eight and, minutes. And, and, and you know what? And, and recruiting, you know, for me, in recruiting, and I probably went a little long-winded, no, I guess, is what you're trying to say. No, no, in no, no. I love it. Love we it. all talk about family. Yeah. We all do, yeah. right? We all say that. But, again, you know, for us, I'm able to, as the head coach, you know, show it in Yeah, looking at my staff. They're all former players. So, yeah. you know, it's easy to say things. It's easy to say hard work. Right. And we all work hard. And right. it's easy to say we value guys that dive on 50-50 balls. Everybody does that. Nobody doesn't value that. Right. But that's really the cornerstone of Kent and it's not a secret. So I'm not, yeah. I'm not sharing with you something yeah. that, that I don't share with anyone who will listen because to me, it's, it's an important bedrock of our program. Does the culture go hand in hand with your current coaching philosophy? Um, you know, I just, you know, like if, if, if I, if I was back in coaching in an AD said, Hey, Joe, what's your philosophy? I would say like, play for me, play for each other. Like, but does the, the, everything you just spoke, does that like kind of correlate to your own philosophies or is it just like everything stays with culture and that is the philosophy? Yeah, that's a good one. You know, this is, you know, we had, we had a really unfortunate in, and I mean, it, it was tragic here in yeah. that this spring, our director of basketball operations was 27 years old and, and he died. Yeah. Unexpectedly, he died of a of a brain aneurysm. Okay, and I don't know what you know. I don't know what it is that throughout that you know that occurring and and thinking about Brian and going through going to his funeral and just everything with our team. But the 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 term that kept coming back in my head was the word or, or phrase carpe diem. Okay. which yep. it's Latin for seize the day, right? right. That's what carpe diem means, seize right. the day. And what, you know, we, I have, I've had, and I have a lot of different signs in the locker room with, with a lot of different sayings and down and use the letters carpe, C-A-R-P-E, and use that acronym 
to really say, okay, this we know what we're about here at Kent, but let, let's put this all really concise and let's make it something that everybody who comes in here, by the end, you're going to know, okay, seize the day, make the most of the day. Hmm. But we use the C-A-R-P-E in Carpe Diem as an acronym, C being competitive, competitive in everything we do, A being appreciative, appreciative of the people that are helping us through this process. Yeah. You know, those being the trainers, all the people that work right. with our team, right? Being appreciative, C-A-R, respectful, you know, of each other, uh, of of how hard it is to me, it's a big thing. You know, the, you, you can't take it hard it is to win, you know, and respecting that, respecting how difficult it is to win a game, how yeah. difficult it is to be a good player. For sure. How much work you have to put in it. C-A-R-P is process-oriented. I know that's a big buzzword, but again, that's something that I, I do want our players to think about that, you know, again, I'm using those examples not everyone off the bat is a great player. It, right. It's a process. And as a team, sometimes you go through some lumps to figure out what 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 we need to do as a team, right? And then the E-C-A-R-P and the E is energy, enthusiasm every day. So E-E-E, which is carpace, energy, enthusiasm every day, because it's something, again, we really value within our group. So, you know, his unfortunate and unbelievably tragic loss allowed not allowed but for yeah. some reason it gave me some clarity not mm. clarity on terms of of what we're about i know what we're about but for whatever reason and i don't know the reason but my thought to our players well, you just don't know right and Carpe diem, it's something I don't know when I learned it. I was probably in ninth grade or whatever it may be. And that yeah. saying came and seized the day and just thinking, okay, how can we put this all together? And and now in our locker room, I have a couple quotes that I have, longer quotes, but really the thing that everyone sees when you walk in is Carpe Diem and, and that acronym and what, what it stands for within our program. Well, thanks for sharing. You know, my, my obviously – I, you know, I reached out when I had heard about, yeah, and you know, my thoughts and prayers with you guys in the program. I can't imagine as a leader that's ever in your playbook, you know, just yeah, to, that was, yeah, yeah, yeah. And to, look, yeah, yeah, I, I, I really, obviously, his family mm -hmm. is, is who you is still grieve for and feel right. for. Um, but that was tough, that was tough for our players. Uh, obviously tough for our program. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, you know, Brian, Brian Barnes had been with us for a while Yeah, and, and was a big part of what we do and, yeah. you know, just a great kid. But if, if there's a lesson to be learned, I, you know, again, in the, don't want to make light of it where I say, if there's a lesson to be learned no, but I for understand. my players and my program, you know, to be able to tell these guys, listen, man, you really, yeah. You know, you got to take advantage of every day because yeah. you just don't know, you know, you just don't know what's, 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 yeah. what's in store. So make the most of each day, you know, seize the day, carpe diem. Let's just talk about some coaching specifics. So one thing I love about you and you might disagree, but I think you're really calm during the game. <laughs> I think yeah. it's a great lesson for young coaches. I mean, 
I remember, and I watch every one of your games. Just, I mean, we're the same age. We're both 47. I think like you got me by six months, but you know, so there's never been really any envy or jealousy of you. I've just appreciated you because I think you're a solid person and an excellent basketball coach. And I've told you this a million times and you probably get me sick of me saying this, but I, I, it is what it is. You know, I like you a lot. So I watch a lot of your games and I, and I try to pick up on things, you know, at the time to help myself, but now to help other coaches. So one of the things is your calmness. I remember a few years ago. yeah, go ahead. Remember a few years ago, go ahead. Down at Toledo, I think you're down 26. And I remember watching the game. I remember Murph texting me during the game, like, man, they're down 26. And Murph's like, sandy has got it. He's cool. And, you know, you were just so calm. You guys made a great run at the end of the half. You had some great players. Got back in the game. And, like, I just, it always resonated with me just how calm you were. Like, because, you know, down 26 on the road in a Mac game at Toledo, you know, rival school, you could have packed it up. <laughs> yeah. But you just kind of stayed the course. And your players, you know, the, you know, obviously the game is almost like a roller coaster at times. There's so many ups and downs. But just, like, do you consciously work on staying calm? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me be very, very clear. That is not, if you were to watch, and, and, and you've been in the league a my first year or two, I was not that way. Yeah. And quite honestly, you know, I, I'd like to say I've gotten better as a coach because I, I calm, I've calmed down. Because, okay. um, and it's hard when you first, you know, whatever it is, wherever you're, you're, you're a head coach for the first time. I'm, I'm going to give advice. Like, you know, it's, it's easy for me to give advice because I, I, I'm not in those shoes. But yeah, at the time, you know, you're doing the best you can do. Yeah. And and at the time, yeah, I'm, I was uptight, <laughs> and and probably there may have been games that we would have won had I, you know, experience, experience helps in so many ways in a lot of different areas. But, um, I was not always that way. I, I don't want to sit here and say I made a conscious effort Mm -hmm. to, to grow (laughs) in, in my role, but I certainly would tell you I'm more confident Confident. today than I was 10 years ago. And, in that maybe I'm able to relax a little bit and, and believe me, I'm not relaxing at all, but maybe I'm able to, uh, to handle those situations a little bit better. You know, coach how E how, yeah. uh, just spoke now, to him yesterday. You know, the, yep. Did you? Yeah. He's now the, the associate head coach at Northern Kentucky. You know, he was with me my first eight years or seven years. And, you know, I actually feel bad for some some of the things I probably said to him, him as an assistant during the first two years. Because we've all you know, been there. Yeah, we've all been there. I've been on the receiving end too. So, um, you know, you have an outer body experience during yeah, those two sure. hours sometimes. But um, yeah, I think you get better as you do it. And and look, you got to be who you are, right? right? Like for sure. You know, I I can't try to have been somebody else and I can't try to be somebody else now now what you do have to do each year and you know it's something I'm I'm I've got to keep getting better um you know is you have to look at in in the mirror and you can't you know at the end of a season you know whether it's successful or not successful you can't say well it's the player's fault (laughs) you know like okay maybe maybe there is some things the players can do better certainly but there's also things you have to say you can do better, things your staff can do better. But it really starts with you when yeah. you're the head coach. You have to 
you have to be able to, you know, you can have an ego and you can have confidence and, and you can stay steadfast to your, you know, to your beliefs as you should. Um, but that doesn't mean you can't change. That doesn't mean you can't evolve. That doesn't mean you can't adjust. I I think you have to do all of those things. And, and that's whether you're, you know, the, the, the best or, or, or didn't have a great season. I think every year you have to do that and you have to look at what you can do better. And, you know, for me, it was a couple years ago, you know, maybe it was five, six years ago. I, I don't remember the exact moment, but I remember saying to myself, you know what, first of all, I'm going to kill myself doing this if I, if I keep, yeah. if I, if I lose my mind over everything. Okay. And then B, I, I, I know that, you know, I felt like I wasn't doing a great job for, for our players and I've tried to be better. It doesn't mean I'm not going to blow up. Um, you know, the, the, the best coach or one of the best coaches in college basketball history that, that I watch and, and admire at the highest level is coach Izzo and he's fiery on the, on the sideline. So it's not like I'm never angry or never show emotion. Um, but I also try to, you know, the best I can, the best I can stay calm when, you know, when it doesn't seem like there, there's reason to be calm. Right. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I mean, I'm glad at least I, I made one observation that was correct, but I, I just, <laughs> <laughs> I just, you know, the, the other the couple quick observations. So three things, the play sheet. I, yeah. I would love to know the evolution of your play sheet. I saw you on a clinic in the NABC last year and you, you have this great handoff offense that eight or nine things that flow but you talked about the play sheet and then i started watching you and i see you looking at that no card the entire game and obviously we don't have to talk about actions but are you consciously thinking about how to get the my best player's shots or got like if a a, a, a randall holt has it going how do i get him more shots like is that more of like did you kind of take that from football and an offensive coordinator's perspective yeah so the play sheet. Okay, that that didn't start with me, but it's something that, that I've had for a while here now. So you know, we have series of plays and right. families of plays, right, yeah. with different calls and different, you know, different starters and things like that. What I try to do, you know, each each family of plays maybe has ten to fifteen play calls on it. They're not that difficult, you know. Some of them, wow. you know, if you know one, you should be able to know another one. Mm-hmm. Meaning, you know, one action may start this way, but if the number's called, let's just say it's two, you know, two, it means the same thing for a couple different actions, but, or a couple of different starters, the ending, you know, means it's for the two, if that makes sense, or whatever number I may have. So, or, or whatever the call may be. So, you know, we have a number of them. And what I try to do going into each game is come up with, okay, I watch how you, you know, as the other team defends certain actions. And this is part of what our scouting is, you know, and come up with a couple things that we think, you know, can work. And then I, I write down, okay, these are specific ones for ATOs after timeouts. These are things we're going to try to run after timeouts. And then a lot of times, 
I'm looking at the play sheet saying, what in the heck can we run? We can't score anything. <laughs> what are we doing out here right yeah. now? So a lot of times the staring at the play card is, is I don't know what we're going to do to get a basket here right now. So let me look at this and see if there's anything I can figure out that may work. And look, there's times we can't score. There's times we can score. Uh, there's times that I feel like we run too many plays. Yeah. And there's times where I feel like if we don't run a play, we can't get a good shot off. So, um, you know, stylistically, and we don't need to get into this too deep, but, you know, we, we try to push the basketball. Yeah. Then we, if we don't have something, we try to run a quick hitting set. I, I call it, you know, you know, for me, it's like an NBA quick hitter. Right. Uh, which, you know, it's bang, bang. If we can get something off it, great. If we can't, then we go into what our, you know, our enders are, which, you know, we work a lot of time on, on, you know, last 10, last 12 seconds of a shot clock trying to get into certain things uh, and what we're trying to get out of the last 10, 12 seconds of shot clock. And, you know, we throw the ball inside a lot. Yeah. And, and we do work on, you know, when it goes inside, all plays are off. So whatever play we've run, if it goes inside, then we're in post action. Wow. And, you know, we have our cuts and different things yeah. that we do when it goes inside. And that's play ends when it goes inside. Whatever we're running, if it goes inside, play ends and we're in our post action. So playing against you guys at Eastern, you know, you play zone, so it's different. But obviously most of the league plays man. And, you know, we have our families of plays. We have specific plays to try to get guys shot. Um, you know, I name some of the plays after the teams that we steal them from. Mm. <laughs> so, you know, when we play you guys at Eastern, and we'll use this now, we had a play called Eastern. It was, you know it, it was our backdoor play against the zone. Yeah, you only scored and a thousand a, times on we, it. We scored a lot, and we also didn't score. And a I also it, texted but, you before the game, please don't run this play. So, right, trade right. secret. We, but yeah, uh, So we, we call it Eastern, and then we have a counter to it, yeah. which we call Eastern 2. Um, <laughs> I like, you know, just for myself, I, for whatever reason, I get a kick out of it. Uh, you know, Toledo runs some great offensive sets. For sure. And we'll put in a play that we'll call Toledo that we guarded and we'll put it in shoot around. And usually after the first time out or second time out or whatever it may be, we're, we're running their play. And I always love it with whoever it is. Yeah, if for we're sure. able to score off their play that they hadn't seen us run because <laughs> it's got to piss them off when they watch film the next day. And just like it would me. You know, we ran a play against Toledo this year that we could have tied the game with two seconds to go and underneath out of bounds play. I remember watching we stole, it. it was a day game. Yeah, we, yeah. Yep, we stole it from Virginia Tech. They won. Yeah. Uh, they beat Duke in the NCAA tournament. I remember the play, that, yeah. Yep. It, it, with that play. So we called it, you know, we called it Va Tech. Yeah. That was the name of it. It was Buzz uh, Williams was the coach there at the time. And we didn't score. We got a great shot, but we missed it. And then two games later, I'm watching them play Miami of Ohio, and they ran the play and scored and and iced the game sort of off the same play. And there's part of me that, you know, I was sort of like, yeah, you know, they say, uh, uh, you know, flatter, uh, yeah, flatter. copying, yeah. you know, is, yeah. is flatter. Like, okay, great. Greatest um, compliment. Right, that, right. Yeah, is, yeah. Right. Is, is kind of right. Okay. So I was a little bit like, oh, okay. Like, he liked the play. And then. 
you know, after the two seconds of that wore off, I spent the next 30 minutes stewing about the fact that we could have won the game at their place if, if we had executed it as well as they executed it against Miami. So, uh, I re- you know, that, that's, that's part of it. I remember a couple of years ago, and I, and I know we might be just staying on this too long, but it, it's, this is just great. I mean, there's, there's a reason why you've won 200 games and you're showing it, but the, the there you were at. I think Akron might have been undefeated in the league. I remember it was a Friday night game. I, I, for some reason, we were at Northern Illinois getting ready to play. But I remember you ran the same side ball screen action yeah, with basically your best three players on one side of the floor. And I heard Chuck Daly once say that they were playing Utah once and they ran a play like 18 straight times. And they had Isaiah yeah. Thomas, Finney Johnson. But like as much as you had this entire play card, and I'm sure, and I think Akron yeah. might've been 14 and 0 at the time. It was a big game late, but like just the idea of just like, we're going to come run the same play over yeah. and over and over until you can stop it. Yeah. And that's something also that I think again for myself. Okay. And I, I think I've gotten better at that too, in that, I used to want to show everybody how much I knew by, okay, we scored on this. Let's go to the next one and the next one. Well, it, it's like uh, Vince Lombardi. They said that he used to, you know, hand off right tackle, you know, okay, sweep right or whatever yeah. it may be. Like, stop us. Why, why, yeah, yeah, stop us. So, you know, we do have the counters and and, and we do. We, we have counters and maybe, you know, we'll put another wrinkle in, but, if something's being successful, you know, why not keep going to it until yeah. it's not successful anymore? Because you do tell your players the same thing, right? Like, yeah, I know when you have a great player and, and you know, he's scoring in the post four straight times, and then on the fifth time he faces up and shoots a jumper, you know, you're screaming at him for letting them off the hook, right? Like, yeah. so it's the same deal as, as, as a team. Like, if they're struggling to stop you in a certain area, well, let's keep going to that that exact same thing until they're able to stop us. And and obviously, everything has you know. If they take away this, you look yeah. for that, and and you try to make your reads. So, um, you know that that's and it goes back to players yeah. making plays too. Obviously, yeah, it goes back. It does. It does because I remember you know Coach Hawkins, uh, who who I have an ultimate amount of respect for at Western Michigan. You know, one time he he said to me, I don't know if it was a compliment or or if it was not a. It might have been. It's like one of those backhanded comments. We just spoke like, for an hour you know, yesterday, so I can already know where it's going. <laughs> yeah, he said something like, yeah, what I really like about your team is that even when we play great defense and you score, it was sort of like, well, what are you saying, man? Are you saying that 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 that, that, that we don't do anything good and we're still able to score? Like, I, I, it was it was funny. I knew it was meant to, yeah. as, a, as, a, as a compliment, but – Heck of a you know, coach. It's all how you take it, and it's like Michael, Michael Jordan when he, you know, you watch that, and he, you try to find things that that give you an edge. That, that's what we all do. We're trying to find something that gives us an edge. The, yeah, but he, yeah, we we try to do our best. The subbing did that take a long time? Like you, you mentioned being calm. You you guys have a, a quick pace of subbing guys in and out. Is that assistant driven or driven by you? Well, I think most of that is driven by me. I don't. Yeah, I don't have a, a consistent substitution pattern. I love how I guys come in and out quick. Yeah, you love it. Sometimes they don't love it. <laughs> um, you know what? I think a lot of it, you know, really what it boils down to, I think, is really trust. And and I, I, I'd say this, you know, it takes a while to, to gain 
my trust on the court. Mm. But once you've done that, then, you know, that goes back to what Coach Hawkins was saying. You know, I will allow some guys to take some shots. And I don't say allow, but I won't yank a guy necessarily for taking what others may look at and say, boy, that's a horrible Mm. shot. Or what is he doing there? I, I think, you know, trust is 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 earned and once you've earned that trust i do think i try to let players play with <clears throat> with freedom and and i try not to take guys out for missing a shot now sometimes when when you know you're a sub you know i don't want you necessarily the first thing to be thinking about is having to score yeah you know a lot of times guys are coming off the bench i want you to think about <clears throat> defending rebounding getting a loose ball getting a charge, getting a st- taking charge, getting a steal, getting a deflection. And if your first mentality is score, well, then you better score. Because if you don't, I, I may take you out quickly. But, you know, once trust is developed, and, and, and we do, another thing we do here is, is we play for our seniors. And I think that we've had a lot of seniors have really big years because of that. And by the time you're a senior here, you know, you've been through a lot, whether you're here two years, three years, one year, whatever it may be. You've been here five years with with my most recent senior. Like, you've been through a lot. I, I'm going to give you, you know, some freedom and some confidence to to know that you can go out there and play. Uh, you got to help us win. That that's that's the bottom line with all that. You got to help us win. The the famous Jim Christian board, this magnet board. For our listeners out there, you guys have the the chalkboard that you use during timeouts, but it's like it's not marker; it's based on mark. It's like these magnets. <laughs> it's it's a skill yeah, just to men. yes, yes. You did an NABC clinic with it, and I was just yeah. Obviously, I thought you did an amazing job, but I was just almost mesmerized by how you could work these magnets. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's you know that's something people people have asked you know when when they see. Yeah, you know the play card, or or they yeah. ask like, how do these guys remember all these <laughs> things, or don't they? And you know what, I, I I'm not going to tell you they all remember every one of them, but one thing we do do a lot in our practices, we do a segment of practice which is ODO offense, defense, offense. So you start on offense, three trips, yeah. then we transition down to defense, and then you come back on offense. And every one of those ODO starts with a huddle wow. with me. Okay. Okay. So before every ODO, I have the offense, whoever that is, and the assistants have the defense. And in that ODO, we are on, you know, we're in the magnetic man. And, you know, normally trying something new, you know, like putting in a wrinkle, putting in a play, uh, you know, executing a play and showing it on that, on that board. So, I think just like everyone, you know, if you emphasize something a lot, you, you should get good at it. And if you don't, then you haven't done a great job teaching it, right? Nothing's ever taught until it's learned, yeah. right? Nothing's ever learned until it's taught. So, you know, I do think our team has been taught, you know, to, to be able to focus and execute whether it's after a timeout or, or, or execute a set. And it's all done on those magnetic men that, uh, yeah, yeah, that, that, that we like to use. And it's been used for a long time. The magnetic men, uh, have been used for, for my 10 years when I was an assistant for coach Ford, 
he he gave me the magnetic men when because I ran the offense for him. Hmm. Uh, so uh, and Coach Christian was was the master of the magnetic men. So uh, I do remember one time he got so mad at the team he had the five guys out there and he slid all of them off and said, "You know what? You don't even deserve these this this play call right now because we're not playing hard enough." And he he wiped the magnetic men off. But I've always found it interesting how people can use a marker uh, because I see all the marks on the board and I look at it for a player. I'm like, yeah, all that looks like a scribble to me. How can I possibly right. know what I'm doing with the marker? And so, most guys are like pounding me, it down because they're so upset. Right, as it is. Yeah. Right. At that time. So, you know what? The magnetic men have been our, our little deal. And every once in a while I smash the, 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 yeah. the dry erase board and the magnetic men go flying all over the place, just like the marker. And yeah, but that, that's, I, I, I certainly am in favor of the magnetic men for sure. Is there an art to a timeout? Like, are you trying to hit certain things every time? Are you trying to like, you know, we all watch the NBA games, but they don't show the strategy, yeah. but you know, they're like, <laughs> are you trying to hit the core things like guys, we got to rebound, get back. Or are you like, do you have like, how do you approach a timeout? Yeah, that's a good question too. You know what? Each of them is different, right? Like I think there's times early in the in the, in a game we may be talking about, you know, certain things we need to do, certain things that if we if we do a great job, um, you know, we do. We always during timeouts we'll talk about how many offensive rebounds we have, Constance, you know, where we right. are on the glass. That's a big thing because that's something we really emphasize a lot is is offensive rebounding. How many we crash? Have. Yeah, yeah, we try to crash. We we chart deflections. There's certain things we we chart assist opportunities. You know how many opportunities? Not every assist opportunity becomes an assist. You have to make the basket for it to become an assist. But I want our guys thinking assist, thinking assist opportunities. So we we chart those. You know, there's a lot of things we chart, and there may be a specific game where we go into the game. You know, maybe it's let's just use Eastern because we're talking and and we're saying how important it is for the ball to get to the middle of the zone. So we may chart during that game. I may tell our graduate assistant chart how many times it gets into the middle out of how many possessions in the half court. Hmm. And at the first time out, we may say, hey, it's only gotten in the middle two out of six. It's got to be five out of six, you know, something like that. Or it's gotten in five out of six. And maybe we haven't shot the ball very well, you know, early on. And then I'm saying, hey, we're good, fellas. You know, it's gotten inside five out of six. As long as we keep doing that, it, the the shots will fall. Um, you know, so there's different things in each game that you're trying to emphasize that you feel as the coach are going to be important to win that game. And then there's certain things that are important for you as a coach. And offensive rebounding is one of them, you know. Um, so those are the type of things we chart. And do we talk about those during timeout? Um, usually I let the players, you know, get their 10, 20 seconds. I, I listen to what the staff has to say, you know, to me. And, and they're they're telling me they're spitting those numbers out maybe. Yeah. Or maybe somebody's saying to one to our GA or, you know, hey, how many how many times has it gotten to the middle? Boom. And that may be a point of emphasis because I don't see all of those things. That's what the staff is there for, too. Yeah. So sometimes they say it and that helps me focus on what I need to make sure I'm presenting to these guys when I, when I talk to them. e was telling me yesterday, like your percentage in the last four minutes of games is just like off the charts in close games. 
Yeah, that's good guards, man. That that's good guards. That that is that's having. We, <laughs> you took we no have credit. One, <laughs> no, we have one. Uh, we we have a really good record in close games. We, uh, so what do you stress? The, I mean, like, so obviously you have good guards. Yeah, so valuing the ball, the, yeah, valuing the basketball, valuing the basketball, and look, getting a shot every time guards, down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you and and if your guards are good free throw shooters, mm. then. You know, you're, you're, you're going to win a lot of those close games if you, if you, and, and then, and then lastly, you know, as part of it, offensive rebound. If you miss a shot, getting second shots. And that's something, you know, to me, Coach Sampson, you know, who I work for, and, and not saying, you know, the, the offensive stuff, 90% of that, I learned from Coach Christian. He was fantastic. I, I think, you know, you'd mentioned, you know, people that, that have had an influence on me, you know, coach Christian on the offense, but I forward in terms of how he relates to players. He was, you yeah. know, he, he, he had a knack with that, with these guys that they all really, really wanted to play for him. I, I don't think I'm nearly as good at that as he was Yeah, try to get better each year, but offensive rebounding from coach Sampson, just, you know, his favorite thing was winning a game and shooting 33% from the field. That was something that, he got more excited off of something like that. You know, winning a game and shooting 33% from the field was more exciting to coach Samson than anything that can possibly happen in a college to win a college game. So I've sort of not, not, not to that extreme, but sort of, Hey, if you, that's another change. You, you can shoot, miss, shoot, miss, get fouled. You've shot over two, but still have two points. Like, let, let's let's do that and and find ways to win these games. Um, you know, by 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 that taking care of the ball, executing offensive rebounding, and and having guys that that shoot free throws. And then the last point I'd make with that one is, I think confidence too with your with your players. That's where mm. you know I, I had a kid a couple years ago, Jalen Walker, who his senior year hit seven shots in the last minute of a game where the game was, we were either down one, up one. Uh, it was at Detroit, two. right? Well, at Detroit, he scored the last 11 points of the game. But he, he's, he yeah. in, in seven games his senior year, he hit what I would call game winners. Wow. You know, game winners, where, where we were down one, down two, tied, up one or up two in the last, you know, 30 seconds of a game. And part of... To me, I, I could be crazy, but part of the reason he was able to make some of those shots was because I lived with some of the misses earlier. And and he was such a good player and such a confident player that, you know, he felt like he was going to make the next one. And I never, I never made him feel like he wasn't going to and never, you know, made him feel like, hey, if I miss – one early, I'm coming out, which may hurt a kid's confidence late. So, yeah, we, we've been fortunate, and, and really it comes down to good players, like like all this stuff. Well, I thought you were going to say that, you know, you just go out to dinner and you're drawing plays on a napkin while you're trying you know, <laughs> <laughs> But, no, yeah. I, I knew that you would come yeah, back yeah. to the guys. Um, yeah, yeah. All right, we're yeah. 53 minutes in. I'm going to get you out of here, I promise. Oh, so, so You told me 30 minutes. Yeah. We're good. Yeah, don't worry about it. Whatever else you need. I, I love talking basketball, so All right. good, man. Adjustments second time. 
All right. So a couple times we got you guys the first time when we, I was at Eastern yeah. Michigan, you know, now, you know, obviously wishing coach Heath and his staff the best of luck. A couple of times we're at Eastern, we got you early on and then, you know, Murph would be like, ah, oh, we got Sandy. And I would just be like, it's not going to be the same game the second time. And so this is where I just, I mean, I, I where I think you're brilliant. A couple of years ago, conference, like we got you early conference. We turned- lost by 30. Yeah. First time we played you guys. I remember it well. Well, it was all Murph, yeah. not me. So, and yeah. Coach Klein had the scout. So I, I just sat there real, and I looked good. But anyways, um, second time around, you went with a total different approach. And then we got on the bus. Murph's like, yeah, you put a playmaker in the high post, and like he just let him rip. And it just like changed the game. It changed the game. You know, opened the game up, and you were able to break the game away. And you, you obviously your players played tremendous. That cat and mouse, that strategy game. Do you do you do you just relish it? Well, let's be clear. I would prefer to not lose the first time around, right? Like, <laughs> it's not like we go in and say, okay, let's lose the first time. So when we play them the second time, <laughs> we can play better. <laughs> um, right? Like, it, it, it's, well, to me, I, the, all trying to, you know, again, I say, look in the mirror, you know, look in the mirror and and instead of me saying that it's the player's fault it's it's and sometimes it is like sometimes the players you know don't make the right play but in that instance and in a lot of instances you got to look at what you can do to help put those guys in better position and in that particular game and in that particular instance and it actually happened i think a couple times in in coaching against Murph and coaching against Eastern, I do think the zone is unique. I do think that's, and it's, it's not always easy, you know, the first time around and it's not always easy second time around either, but it's not always easy and trying to learn, okay, who needs to get the ball where, you know, I, I know that game in particular, cause it was two years ago, mm-hmm. we had lost by 30. And then we played you guys in the conference tournament. And the first time we lost by 30, um, you know, I had a kid, a really good player, uh, Antonio Williams, who man is his nickname. Yeah. Um, who, as a guard, I put him at the top of this, you know, on the perimeter, you know, at the three point line and at right. the top of the zone. And whether it was, you know, the player who was in the middle or, it was he wasn't great being at the top, you know. We we decided, and I'm sure it was my staff more than me, but it was we that decided, hey, let's put him in the middle, and you know, maneuver, move some different pieces around so that we can make he's in the middle, and you know, we work on getting it in the middle, and that game he he made some great plays, you know, throughout the course of the game. Um, I do think just as a coach. When you're playing a team the second time, you're playing them the third time. Right. You have to watch those first games and decide. Okay, you know what? What did you do well? Yeah. Okay. What didn't you do well? What adjustments can you make? And and then also beyond just that, you also have to think about it from the other side of your point of view. They do well. What are they going to try to do again against you? And what adjustments? you see them make against other teams and are can do to counter that is that me is all part of it's all part of coaching and it's all part of 
you know, the strategic part of coaching. It's, it's all part of that and trying to put your players in the best position you can. And, yeah. and obviously if you're not mentally in the, in a good spot, you know, you can physically try to put them in great positions. If they're not mentally in a great spot, it's not, it, it, a lot of times it doesn't matter. But if you have guys that are still mentally in a good spot and still really, you know, in a good place trying to work and trying to get better and trying to win and trying to move on in a tournament or, or, you know, play for a championship or play for seeding or whatever it may be, play for tournament seed, you know, you can try to make those adjustments and, and hopefully help position your, your guys to, to be more successful or, you know, the second time around. The season you're on a Steve Hawkins' podcast, Next Possession, and, and I encourage anyone listening to this podcast to go listen to it. It's a, it's a different conversation than Coach Sandy and I are having right now. It, it really tackles you know, some of the adversity you dealt with in your, in your professional life. And I just think it's a must, must listen. Uh, you're very candid and honest and you, you know, you're talking about bouncing back and how you bounce back to have the success at, at, um, Kent State. So I just, for people out there, cause we're not going to cover all that. And, and I wanted to talk Pearl Jam, but we're not even gonna be able to do that. But <laughs> yeah, so people yeah, need to listen, yeah. to listen to get the Hawk and listen to that. Uh, but last question, if I, if I was an assistant and I had the opportunity to interview with you or, or if there's assistants out there, two things, what should they bring to the table for you? And I know it's a little, it's a little different now because you've went the route with guys that have played for you or been within the program, but like just in general, what should assistants bring to the table and how much should they be recruiting? Yeah. Listen, let, let's say this. You, uh, they, they always ABC, always be recruiting. Right. Okay. That, that in the college level, you know, you have to always have a pulse recruiting. That is incredibly important as an assistant. It's, it's quite, quite honestly, it's it's the most important thing to me when I was, you know, trying to break into this profession and you know trying to to make a name for myself and try to you know get jobs and and move on and do all those things. You know, you make your name you know, from recruiting, you do, you do. And, you know, that's, that's important. Now, you know, it's not the only reason somebody's going to hire you, but you, you have to recruit because, and, and, and that doesn't mean you have to, Hey, I can bring this player. I can bring that player. I, I, I find that, you know, first of all, I, I doubt it's true. And second of all, um, okay, well, what about that player leaves? You know, so it's not about that as it is being some who's cultivated relationship and has good relationships um, and, and wants to do it because, you know, it's not easy to, to recruit constantly. It's hard. So that's important. That That's the only attribute that's important. You know, being able to relate to your players, that's important. Yeah. Being able to players that's important being a team guy i think that's really underrated too Mm. being a team guy and and what i mean with that is you know not not that anything's wrong with self-promoting because i don't think anything's wrong with that but you know you want to have a staff where everybody wants to get along and it's not about you know who's the person recruiting them as much as it's we are recruiting them and we're trying to get them and if it's you know a guy i brought to the table but somebody else is a better fit or 
whatever it is, like, you know, that, that, that's, that's counterproductive. So, so you gotta be a good dude. Um, somebody that, that works well with others. But, but when you ask about recruiting, I, I don't think as an assistant coach, I, I don't think you can ignore that part of the job because in college and, and each, you know, uh, professional high school those are all different those things are important you know you have to be somebody that's out there you know working you know to help get players because we've said this a number of times the players you know the players are are the most important part of the program for every program that's great yeah it's probably why i'm doing a podcast but uh you know no you're doing a podcast <laughs> for a lot of different reasons than that but no that, that that's hey that's uh not- not it at all any simple simple advice for young coaches yeah that you know what that that to me you know would be my advice to young coaches is to 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 learn as much as you can be humble uh introduce yourself to people you know i i I got great advice when, when i first started doing this you know when when you're young and, and you just broken into the profession or you just started doing this and you are on the road recruiting, you know, don't go eat alone, go with somebody. Hmm. Um, you know, when you're sitting down next to someone, introduce yourself to, to the guy you're sitting next to because you're sitting with somebody. Um, you know, I, I always tell my staff, you know, for any piece of information you give out, make sure you get three. <laughs> if that makes sense. Like, you know, because when you're sitting there, you're talking about recruiting. You know, if you're going to give out a piece of information, whether it's who we're recruiting or who we like or da-da-da, it's not all a secret because it's not. But, you know, if you're going to give out a piece, make sure you get three conversation if you can. That's you really good. Out, That's really yeah, good. <laughs> and that is good advice. Okay. So don't give out too much information on those things. But Hey, also, why is Dro telling us everything about Eastern Zone? No, I hear you. <laughs> no, no, that, 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 yeah, that's why I'm trying to get as much as I can because I'm trying to learn, mm. right? And and but that I think is important. And and you got to again because in in the in the profession and and I'm in a different state than I was because I'm not as well connected and I don't know as many people as I once did when I first started doing this. Yeah, but assistants help other assistants move on assistants talk to other assistants and say you know guy leaves well can you help me with that one or this one and and then the last thing that i would say because you know again i've had a couple openings here and and i've i've hired guys that have played for me but when i go through that it's not always been that that's the only thing i've thought about i've i've talked to other people i like for me i i don't want guys that that are always trying to find the next job and and there's to me the way you get your next job is by being successful at the job you're at and if you do a great job and you're looking to move and and some people don't want to move some people want to stay where they are not everyone you know this this profession is is not linear. It takes lots of turns and lots of, you know, in yeah. my, my personal story, you know, there's a lots of, lots of different things that, that happen. Yeah. And for it's sure. not like, Hey, I go from A to B from B to C, C to D, and then I'm a head coach or whatever it may be. It's a must um, listen. It's a must listen. It's fascinating. Yeah. Oh, that, that is, yeah. But just to me, you, you, you try to do the best job you can where you're at. And 
you know, network the way I said to network. What I would say is how I would say to network and, you know, hope that, that, that you get noticed for, for the job you've done and hope that you can help your players have tremendous success and, and not constantly be thinking about where's my next job. I, I, I've talked to some people, you know, throughout the openings that I've had and it's, it's, it's always turned me off when people were that way. And when people talk about the team and talk about, you know, trying to do the best they can do there, those are the things that have made me say, Hey, this would be a great person to, to have on my staff at some point, you know, in the, in the future. I apologize at the start. I I should have done a better job saying, you know, congratulating you on your recent uh, extension, your contract extension. Um, I'm just so super proud and happy for you that, you know, Kent State's acknowledged your great work. And I'm, I'm, I'm just fired up that, you know, and sad for other Mac schools that you're going to be at Kent State for much longer. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know, I don't know but, about that, but I, I appreciate it. You know, yeah. I, I always, the how real end is just like one of the famous, there's like two things to me in coaching all the time. Like if you don't know a coach's name, you can just call him coach. <laughs> so you can be at an event right. and you're like, I can't remember this dude's name, but hey, coach. Coach. And then right. the other like infamous thing is, is like, if I can ever help you coach, let me know. And I've probably been told that like 50,000 times, like, Hey, Joe, if I can ever help you, you know, let me know. And, 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 and I have failed in that. And, and this podcast to me, uh, in this stage of transition and figuring out what I want to do, and maybe I want to be a full-time caddy for my son like that. But it, in the meantime, I've never really given back. So this is me trying to help out other coaches. And, but I just think of you, like I asked you, Hey, Cindy, could you help me with a podcast I'm starting? And your thing was like, when you want to do it tomorrow? And it wasn't just like, oh, Dro, can I hear some of this? Like, no, it was like, no, like I got you. And that's that's just to me, you know, I'm just so appreciative of a you just doing this for me, and then b just like having that mindset. Like you're just, uh, you know, we're, we're similar ages, but you, you know, you're a head coach, I'm not, but it doesn't matter. You're just a really good yeah, dude. Come on, well, I appreciate you saying that, Kim. But listen, man. You, you, there, there's a, A, there's a ton of respect for you. Let me start with that. And, and B, I, I've also been in the position, you know, where you don't know what you're doing. And right now you're figuring this out. And, and I think and expect this to become a, a great, great thing for you. And I'll be one of the first. I obviously won't be the first on it, but I'll be one of the first to have said that, that I'm on it. So I'm happy to yeah. be here and, Look, I share my story, and if there's ever a time that you you need you want me to come back or or whatever it may be, all you got to do is ask me. And if there, and I'm going to say if there's anything else I can do to help you, please let me know. Yeah, well, you're the <laughs> man. man. I appreciate it. We'll I'll be down right. at Kent, and we'll um whatever your favorite sandwich shop, we'll give them to sponsor this, and we'll do this yeah. every week for the rest that, of the season. That, so that sounds good. We'll do that, and then we'll listen to. We got to have some Pearl Jam playing in the background. Like Pearl Jam. We got to talk That's Howard right. Stern. We got to talk yeah. Netflix. Yeah. We got to just we talk everything. Yeah, hey man be safe this summer good luck with your your team meeting tomorrow i really appreciate your time thanks so much coach everyone get out there follow rob send her off kent state i mean he's proven what just what an outstanding coach is thanks coach all right thanks okay bye-bye that was a great conversation with rob sender off i knew he would be the perfect guest carpe diem Seize the day, coaches. Young coaches, you need to reach out and connect with Rob ASAP. Follow Rob on Twitter at Coach Sendy. Thank you, Coach Rob Senderoff, for sharing your story. I can't wait for you to hear my next conversation. The secret's out. This week is Mac Head Coaches Week. I have a sensational Mac Head Coach for you on Wednesday. Yep, I know I am over the top. 
Monday, Wednesday, Friday, podcast releases. Dro, you can't run a podcast like this. You know what? Guess what, coach? I've done my research. There are not many coaching podcasts who stay on this pace. Coaches are like sponges, and I need to feed these coaches with more knowledge. Subscribe, rate, and review on whatever platform you are currently listening to. We are everywhere. Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, you name it. Follow Tell Me Your Story Coach on Instagram at Tell Me Your Story Coach. Follow Tell Me Your Story Coach on Twitter at Coach Kevin Dro. Connect with me on LinkedIn, Kevin Mondro. Remember to check out MoneyballSportswear.com. Enter that coupon code DRO at checkout. Hey, if I can start a podcast, you can too. Check out my show notes and learn about Buzzsprout. Food for thought. God, do I love food. Pizza House in Ann Arbor, anyone? Ugh, that pizza. Here is something really cool I read the other day on Instagram from Brian Young. B. Young, a fitness guru in the Ann Arbor area. Brian said that he is seeking balance and rejecting complacency. Pretty, pretty cool stuff. Stay safe, be you, and keep coaching. And see you on the next episode of Tell Me Your Story, Coach.